0: This is the moment many wait for the most entertaining, the man of wisdom, the man of experience, Dave, the most informative to bring light to a dark subject, to bring positivity to a negative world. The incredible Paul Moyer, the incredible Paul Moyer, who's wow. got a jersey for sale right now. He'll make you a bargain. Six thousand nine hundred ninety nine dollars. How about that? Oh, man, I
1: would take
0: it. (laughs) He's with us. I'm
1: going to get a bunch of them.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's right. You just see you run that business out of your garage. Paul Moyer is here (laughs) with us on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. How are you, man? Did you hear the big news that Seahawks GM John Schneider is going to join us every Thursday at 4 o'clock beginning next week, and he's going to be with us all the way up until Thursday of the NFL Draft, which includes the first night of the draft? Man, am I still on at 3 you're still with, you're not going anywhere man
1: well i mean you bringing in john schneider i now i got to bring my a game i got to start prepping more i got to <laughs> I, I i can't let john uh though i am looking right now at the top 100 free agents for 2023 which Starts what March thirteenth or March fifteenth? I think uh, free agency. So yeah, so I get 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 that going there, and uh, that'll be good job. By the way, that is awesome. <laughs> I mean, I can't wait. I I will do my show, and I'll just keep listening.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, It's going to be awesome. It's going to be a lot of fun. But, hey, Dave and I were just talking about uh, this story uh, right before we went to break here, and I want to get your take on it. You know, Demora Smith, the NFLPA executive director, wants to get rid of the NFL Combine. He he wants to abolish the Combine and instead establish regional pro days, potentially put on by the NFLPA. (laughs) Yeah. And he's doing it. I mean, there's a ton of quotes. He's basically talking about, you know, the NFL does it during what is the last semester in college. Now we're getting into it's for the kids and their education, blah, blah, blah. But this is a a money making thing. The ratings are going up. The popularity is growing. The interest from around the, the football nation, if you will, growing in this event. When does the NFL ever sacrifice an opportunity to monetize something that they already have in place?
1: Look, that part I'm fine with. You know, again, if there's an opportunity to make money, I, I've, Bob, you've heard me say this a bunch. It doesn't hurt me and my pension plan. So keep right. it moving, <laughs> right? I, you know, let's keep up in that um, little deal. But it's also an opportunity for players that aren't for sure top, you know, picks in the first round. To be noticed, mm-hmm. and it happens often uh, where you get to actually stand next to another guy and compete with him, you know, as an athlete. Um, you know, for so many guys out there that may, you know, Tyreek Tyreek Woolen's a great example right there. Does he? Does he even go in the fifth round uh, if he doesn't run that at the combine? I, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe not. But that's a chance for him to shine because he didn't have a lot of tape that where it shined. So I don't even understand where he's coming from. So let's not have a combine, but let's do them regionally, and the NFLPA will run it. Okay. Are you guys gonna create additional revenue uh, with that? Also, I I just think it's the dumbest thing uh, that he would say.
2: No, but right, they're right? gonna they're gonna get a cut of whatever they're trying to to monetize it because they see it's a big deal and they want to sort of wedge their way in. I feel like the other thing is they were saying you know about. The last semester of school or whatever, whether you're on the quarter system or semester, you know, and somebody texted Paul and they were asking, you know, you and I both and I answered for us. But I just said, hey, look, I went it was probably three days that I was gone and, you know, I went to my professors and said, you know, this is what I'm doing. That was, the, that was the one where one of my guys was like, hey, you're missing a lot of time. You had this all-star game, and you've got this, and you've got the draft. Like, how how much can you even make in the NFL? And so I told him some of the salaries. He's like, oh, okay, you should go. You should definitely go. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it, that part wasn't really a big deal. I mean, you know, you're, you're missing time because of football anyway. It's just, you know, it was maybe two or three days. So, yeah, it's just uh, – to me, I thought it was better than ever last year as well. And the other thing, Paul, I, I think is they, the NFL wants to see you compete against all of these guys, not just in a regional thing or your own pro day. They want to see how you respond to, mm-hmm. to that, right?
1: Yeah, no to the competition. I mean, do you? It's in the public eye, You know, everybody's watching it. You know, how, if you did come from a small school, you know, this is your first opportunity. I don't. There, there. To me, there was never a downside to the combine. And most of these guys now, if they are top picks, you know, they're not running. Uh, but those who need to have an opportunity, that's your opportunity. I, I just don't understand. Again, let's make it regional, but not make it. National. I haven't in Indianapolis. I get it. That's not my favorite place to go to. No. Um, usually it was super cold and, uh, you know, it just it was hard to get to, at least from from Seattle. Um, but again, I, I have no problem with it. And for those who say they're missing school, I, I'm about to get a job. Yeah. Most of these guys, if they've been around for you know four years and they've redshirted, they go to summer school. They're graduating early, anyways. I don't know how much they're missing. If it's their senior year, uh, you know they don't have a whole lot of classes. And if they do, you know, I'm going to make uh, 15 million dollars over the next five years. You know, I'll go back to school if I need to.
2: Yeah, that's a good point, Paul. That's why you go to college to get a job, right? And <laughs> you're getting a job. Hey, did you go? Did you go as a coach?
1: Yeah, and it was you know for the coaches I I didn't get that much out of watching the forty times and everything I'm not really there to just watch it yeah you know, we we get all the times and that the reason why the combine is so important is you you're it's apple for apple you know i we used to go to texas a&m and they had this really fast track you know these guys are running four sixes at the combine they're running four fours at texas a&m so you know so now you got to take all that information and uh, you know they do a pretty good job of deciphering it but um, yeah, it was a great way to meet coaches, talk, you know, about players. You know, it's, it, you're not really being that secretive, but you're all kind of saying, "Are you seeing the same thing I'm seeing?" Um, I got more out of uh, actually going though to the colleges and sitting down and talking with the players and watching film with them, but that didn't happen until after the combine. So that combine opened up an opportunity where I wanted to go back and see more from them. So again, I thought it was kind of a crazy statement uh, that he made, but that's that's today's game. You don't want to you don't want to work these guys too hard.
0: <laughs> well, let, let's move on to another statement. This one made by Roger Goodell that the officiating has never been better. And we play, we played you that cut last week where we asked uh, you know Mark Slareth about it. Hey, what did you think of the officiating being bad this week? And his he responded with a question of when has it ever been good? Now I know I don't think you're on board with that that extreme position, but do you agree that it's better than it's ever been? See, I really wanted that question for you, Bob. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I, I think, I think, you know, I'm, I'm quite confident that the the. The refereeing is better than it was 20 years ago, but that's that's a relative piece too, right? The game's faster. There's more going on. I mean, they they have to be way better. So, I again, I don't I don't know from a relative standpoint if they're actually better, um, but I think they're better than they were 20 years ago. And again, I mean, Roger's got to say that. I'll ask you, Bob. What do you think about that?
0: I I think the officials themselves are probably as good as they've been, but what they're being asked to govern what they're being asked to officiate is is a little cloudy and there's no you know the Dave and I and you we all talk about the roughing the quarterback penalties you couldn't be more inconsistent from game to game from week to week you know one guy barely touches a quarterback flag gets thrown. another guy just freight trains them and you know incomplete pass no flag it it is wildly inconsistent and it's like the catch rule I feel like they're trying to get it right but in the process of getting it right there it's really painful and that's what we're seeing right now.
1: Yeah, I, I would say the competition committee has gotten worse. Um, and, and Dave, you remember, you know, Tom Catlin, he, he, our old defensive coordinator, He he told me when they would have these exceptions to the rules. And when it first started out, you know, it was a couple of pages. By the time he had gotten 30 years into coaching, it was a Bible. And he goes, and the problem is it makes it worse. You know, we just keep adding more and more things to the rules in the game. And I, I agree, Bob. I, I don't think it's necessarily the, the refs. I think it's what they're asked to do that makes it so difficult.
2: Yeah, I, I, I've always said I, I, I love the refs. They really, like, they were there to help us. And, uh, and I I felt like a lot of times, and I'm not sure uh, any of the, if you have any specific stories of interaction, I remember you throwing, I remember one time you were really mad in Cleveland. What were you so mad about, Paul? <laughs> I was mad
1: all the time. You're yelling at an official. Well, we were playing Cleveland uh, in their old stadium back uh, before they left and came back. And I had cut in front of uh, the receiver, and I think I intercepted the pass. And then Eugene Robinson hit the receiver after behind in, in his back. And so they threw a, a pass interference call and said, so I, they were all talking about it and I was not happy at all. And then the, uh, the Cleveland fans weren't real happy. So I gave them the Italian salute, <laughs> which they gave me all those dog biscuits, bones, milk bones, whatever. They started throwing them at me and I was like, okay.
2: Were they cracking, um, cracking on your helmet? I was eating them. Ah, you know, <laughs> you
1: they, they were tasty. No, you show them. You know, yeah, darn right, I did. Um, <laughs> no, and you're right, Dave. I think the, the refs have always been, of all the sports, they they do try to stay out of it, right? Yes, They're not they trying do. to make a name for themselves. Like, you know, baseball, you can't stand anybody up. And basketball, you get teed up. Let me tell you what, you get a yellow flag on the sideline or for, you know, verbally abusing a, a, a ref, you have gone above and beyond. It is so rare. And the language that they take, it's it's incredible. So I, I think the NFL does a really good job of trying to at least stay out of that. Part of
2: the game. I like that all I could remember is that it was Cleveland and, he and was mad. Paul was really mad. Yeah. He was like a, mad as a
0: wet hen. <laughs> he was <laughs> gesturing and stomping. And, uh, I yeah. like that he says, "Well, I was always pretty mad." So yeah. That's perfect. Uh, <laughs> hey, I want to. I want to play this cut from KJ Wright uh, talking about the the needs of the Seahawks I- I heading into this offseason, looking at the draft and free agency and everything. Get your response. Here's what KJ said. Well, no,
2: this gonna take some time. I mean, let's look at this roster, guys week is they have a lot of holes they have a lot of holes on this football team the interior offensive line scares me the interior defensive line terrifies me the linebacker unit is they don't have linebackers there's no linebackers on this football team and so they have a lot a lot of holes to add via free agency via the draft and so i believe we're like in another three years Before we can be like really honest and transparent to say this is a Super Bowl caliber roster because right now they're very
0: depleted in a lot of areas. The center of the O-line scares him. The center of the D-line terrifies him. And there are no linebackers on the team. What do you, you agree? What do you think?
1: Um. Yes. I. If you were to ask me, my biggest needs, it's it's certainly the defensive line. I don't know if it necessarily is the nose. I think Al Wood on the nose is fine, but we we've got to surround him with a couple of guys who can get after the quarterback. Because if Al's by himself, Al can he can manhandle a center, and he can definitely get uh, that center pushed back into the. Uh, backfield. Um, I, I agree with a linebacker or, or an edge rushing linebacker. And, and what I mean by that is, look, we, we brought back Bruce Irvin. Um, you know, we, we've got to have an answer there and that's gotta be a, a player that's pretty dominant, you know, that can get after the quarterback and play the run, um, center, you know, center and off offensive guard, uh, look, they battled, man. It's just, you know, they were, they were just, Outmanned uh, at times And I do believe that you've got To protect that first part, the closest Part to the quarterback up the middle And so, you know, I think they can do some Stuff there. I don't think we have to go and get A pro bowler But you got to get somebody who certainly can handle things on their own and, you know, win at a 98 plus percent clip. And uh, I totally agree there. I also think uh, the two that, you know, people aren't talking a whole bunch about, I, I think we need another running back and a wide receiver. Now, that running back could be Penny. I don't know, but I know one thing. I don't want to go in with just one running back. As much as K nine was amazing, he's not that big. Uh, you know, we were pushing twenty plus carries on him at the end of the year. I think they'll do some things next year, probably more out of the backfield with screens and things too, because they do want to get the touches to him. Um, but I just we, we've seen too many injuries over the years, and how important that running game is. And then uh, my fifth one is is wide receiver. Um, I do. Is that a huge need? No, I, I think we got guys there that can step up and I'm actually excited to see what Young does next year. Um, but it's you know, it's something that if uh, this game, the way of it's evolved, you, you got to have three legit wide receivers out there. So uh, his other comment, three years. Maybe, you know, he may, he may be right in that. I don't know if it's three years, it it, maybe it's two years away where we feel like we truly can line up and play just kind of our base offense and defense and still win games. Um, That's when, you know, you've got better talent than everybody else around you. We're, We're not there. That's probably two years away. But I'd ask that question to John next week after we do our show. I you know John Schneider will have an answer.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I agree with you on what I've been saying, second-level linebackers. I uh, was looking at that Drew Tranquil kid who plays for the Chargers, Notre Dame kid. But, yeah, I mean, look, what happens if Jordan Brooks isn't back? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we talked about Quandre Diggs and how he – I mean, here he – the last game of the year, foot's pointing the wrong way, and he just picks up where he left off, no problem, didn't miss a start. But then – You know, if something goes wrong with Jordan Brooks and then the sort of question mark around Cody, man, I mean, yeah, I think that's why why K.J. saying, you know, three years away, but it is pretty dire at linebacker.
1: Yeah, I I think Jordan will come back fine. The nice thing about Jordan, Jordan has not been injured. Um, He has a build about him. It just looks like he's going to – be able to dish damage and be healthy. He's just, I don't know why he's just, some people have that body. And and we know with knee injuries nowadays, and I know his was bad and it was towards the end of the year, you know, maybe we don't have him quite ready to go at the beginning, but knee injuries, man, they come back better and stronger than they, they certainly not what, uh, during our day. I mean, that could have been career ending back, you know, 30, 40 years ago. Um, so I think he'll be fine. And I think he's going to continue to transcend up um, but I think the other part is, you know, we probably need another guy next to him, too.
0: Hey, what, so what is your, your take on this story about Russell Wilson and his charity? Apparently, uh, I think Bump and Stacy, or maybe it was Brock and Salk had the guy on that wrote the piece. And apparently, I, I didn't hear what he said. I heard others referencing that he said, well, a lot of these people that are up for Walter Payton Man of the Year Awards have their charities and their." Scrutinized and very often, not a lot of the money is going to the actual charity. I don't know what's true, what's not, but it's a bad look for a guy who's already coming off the probably the worst year of his life. Not just as a pro, but just the scrutiny and you know being mocked the way that he was this entire year, and now this story coming out. What's your take on that?
1: Yeah, it, look, you, there's a. Uh you know there's pr in charity as well um if he's truly if only given 24 cents on the dollar even let's say 35 40 cents on the dollar that's that's a hard one for most people to to swallow because you're giving money to that golf tournament and to that charity and you're expecting it it's going to go towards the charity. Um, now I think he's done some amazing things, bringing in big time sponsors, right. From Albertsons, which, uh, is a a big one for him. And, and they have said that he's been good and they've donated a lot of money because of that relationship, but that's a separate piece to it. You know, it's the actual charity that the money that you're asking people to write a check for, That you know, it doesn't sound like he's been a great fiduciary in that role. And then the thing today with charities, man, they're all audited, so it's it's public knowledge if you want to push for it. Um, You know, whether he knew about it or not, look, it's it's his charity. Um, You know, there's learning lessons in life. I here's what I would say: he's done more good than bad by a long shot. So I'm gonna give him some grace on this one, but he's got to clean that one up.
2: Yeah, I totally agree. Maybe just trying to go too fast, too far too fast or whatever, but yeah, I mean, I, I, you think with the, the intent is good with Ross. He's he's a good dude. Who, Paul, who yeah. do you like? We're, we're looking at the Kelsey brothers here uh, going after each other. I don't know if you saw when Jason dressed up in that mummer outfit and was giving his big speech. You see Kelsey, he's always doing all the WWE stuff and everything. Uh, I, I like that story, but uh, what, what's the story or what do you think is going to happen this Weekend, who you rooting for?
1: Yeah, the nice thing about this game is I I don't dislike either team. Mm. um I'm not sure why. You know, Philadelphia would just you know it's not a, a rival. We haven't really we haven't played them in a while. It seems like uh you know I think Hertz is a nice story. That you're pulling for that, but I like Mahomes too. I mean I like Andy Reid. I mean I don't I don't there's nobody I dislike here. Um, and I do believe, you know, they're definitely the top three teams in the league. Uh, they're both fourteen and three, whatever they're uh, maybe they're fifteen and th- uh, whatever their record is. I guess it was fourteen and three of the regular season. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty good football right there with two good quarterbacks. Um, I think Philly's going to win this thing, though. Um, I just think they're the most complete team out there. They proved that throughout the year, and you know, with Hertz being healthy, uh, I just think Kansas City's in for a handful, but. Look, Mahomes is special. You know, you can't you can't count them out at all. Um, but I, I'm excited to see if Philly can pull this thing off and finish the season that they had.
0: Are you are you big on the uh, NFL Honors that will be happening tonight? You going to be paying attention to all those awards? No, not a one. <laughs> not a one. I just I hate the individual honors. <laughs> no,
1: I look. I I, okay. I hate the MVP. I hate us talking about MVPs. Really. And, you know, Paul, and they the have growth.
2: they have pre and post radio uh man of the year. Did you know that? Oh they oh they well never
1: mind, oh. I like it.
0: <laughs> <Am> I? <laughs> now it's got credibility. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. So you're, yeah, not, they you, would, you're uh, not you're not no. worried about offensive rookie of the year, defensive rookie because we've got some Seahawks that are up for some of these awards, but it doesn't you're not that that blown away by it.
1: No, and again, to me, it's a popularity contest. Uh, most of the guys who are voting for it, they really don't have a clue to it. I mean, they they go with emotion as well. Um, you know, I, would I love for Geno Smith to get just one MVP vote? Yeah, that'd be kind of cool. But no, nah, I just – this is the ultimate team sport. It's mm-hmm. the ultimate one. There, there's no other game like it. And, you know, to have individual honors, I'm just like – you know, you just you take the other fifty-two guys or whatever on your team and and push them to the side and uh, yes, yeah, so I you know that's my I can go on forever. I do <laughs> not care. Okay, nada.
0: I, I like that Dave says unless you're up for an award, but I don't think well, you're. I don't you think know. you're eligible for Rookie of the Year. I just sorry, Paul. You might
2: a, might have a longevity yeah. uh, maybe award there. I mean, <laughs> how long you been doing pre and post, Paul? Radio. <laughs> I with think, well,
1: here's what I think. I, I think next year will be my 40th year doing something with the Seahawks, either as a player, a coach, and broadcast. And I've done everything. I've wow. done TV, color, sideline. I've hosted the show. I've done it. I've was done it, everything.
0: Was there ever a break in there anywhere? Or was it straight from you know, playing right into coaching, right into broadcasting? Uh,
1: Yep. Yep. I went, uh, it was, I went my last year playing, I I got hurt with about four or five games left in the season. And that's when Chuck Knox said, Hey, you know, why don't you hang out, go to the meetings, travel, be in the press box. See if there's something you want to do. And if it is, we'll hire you next year as a coach said, okay. then, uh, went, uh, Fox Q13 Fox Fox had just got the rights to the NFL. And they had like 10 of us. Mike Tice was one of them. Uh, We had to go audition for the TV postgame show. I got that uh, right after I was done coaching and slid into uh, radio. I can't remember how I moved over to that role. Uh, I mean, I think it was just you're not good looking enough for TV role. (laughs) Oh, no, no. Non-stop, non-stop for 40 Mm. years. And you know what?
0: Loved every minute of it. Yeah. It it takes us his radio days back when I started and we were in the King Dome beating him in the boat races and he couldn't figure out how we were doing it every
1: (laughs) Good Green.
2: So good.
0: Well, and the whole Uh, glorious thing culminates with Paul Moyer on with us every Thursday. Every on the wine. Every week. It's it's always something we look forward to. Paul, we appreciate you, man. Thanks so much. As always, enjoy the game this weekend and we'll uh, we'll break it all down next week. I can't wait. Tell John Snyder, I can't wait for next week,
1: too. It's going to be fun. All right, man. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, buddy. (laughs)
0: Okay, thanks, guys. There you go. Paul Moyer with us. Love that guy. He's with us every single week. So if you just tuned in, missed part of that conversation, it will be available on the podcast page after the show at seattlesports.com. Coming up, we'll continue our look at the AL West with a team that could present a problem for this Mariner team. It's coming your way with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports Station on 710. Wyman and Bob, powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio on Seattle's Sports Station. Our thanks to Paul Moyer for joining us in the previous segment. Again, if you guys missed any of that conversation, it'll be available, available on the podcast page after the show at seattlesports.com. You promised me you'd tell in, the, oh, uh, <laughs> the boat story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Paul was working baseball? He was. Where, I can't remember what he was doing. He was just up in the press box. I don't remember why. In mariner who, game in the kingdom. Yeah, all the time we'd see him up there, and and this is, <laughs> you know, obviously the hydros are a big deal on the screen. The crowd True. goes nuts, and we knew the guy that, that I get. I don't know if he was in charge of it or he just knew. We knew somebody who knew the winner every night, and Paul was very competitive. Wanted bet. Who do you think? What do you think? What do you got? Yellow? Well, I'll t- okay, I'll take red. You know, it was a big oh, game. Yeah. We started getting the answers from the guy. He would come up and tell us before the game. He'd go, Hey, he'd say, Tonight, red. Tonight, green. So we had the answer. And so we would we go to Paul, hey, Paul, I'm feeling feeling red tonight. Feeling red. Oh yeah? Okay. I'll take yellow. You know, and then we, we we're just every time beating. him. he'd be like, son of a how How do you guys keep doing this? And and every once in a while, we'd let him do it. He would land on the right one. We'd let him go first. Okay, you'd let him. Yeah. Yeah, but but we would, I mean, we were winning four out of five times. We would, would he was just amazed at how often we were right. The funniest
2: thing is that it wasn't divulged, I think, until we talked to him on the air, right? Was this? Decades later. This is late
0: 90s. This is, no, this is like 97, 98. No, I'm talking about when he found out. Oh, yeah, less than a year ago. Yeah. Yeah.
2: He's like, what? You guys really? Oh man. He, uh, thought, he
0: thought we should be going to Vegas and making bets. We, we just had an uncanny ability to predict the hydro winner every night at the kingdom. Uh, <laughs> man. Uh, he and he's so competitive. It was so he'd be oh, yeah. like, dang it. Wow, how unbelievable just, just beside himself that we were just that accurate so and he yeah. finds out decades later that you were cheating <laughs> that we were cheaters we were like the astros yeah. we were before the astros we were setting the trend we, yeah but we were getting the answers from the guy every night he'd just come up and just go it's green it's yellow, you're like, all right, thanks, man. <laughs> they, they would get a kick out of it too, they knew why you know what was going on. Getting so, more, yeah. yeah, it was good, it was good stuff. And he was a good sport about it, but it's funny that he it took decades later before he found out it wasn't on the up and up. Mm. All right, so now we've been looking at uh, our, our Mariners Insider, Shannon Dreyer, has been writing pieces for seattlesports.com, previewing the AL West, looking at each team, what they've who they've added, who they lost. Uh, the record last year we went through the uh, angels yesterday, and today's uh breakdown is the Texas Rangers who were sixty eight and ninety four last year. Ooh, after they made some huge investments in, in Corey Seeger and Marcus Simeon and man sixty eight and ninety four but now they've you know their problems have been pitching. And they've brought in a lot to address that. Whether you're looking at Jacob Degrom or you know Jake Odorizzi or you know they also bring in Andrew Heaney and Nathan Navaldi, uh, so they they have improved. We'll see what it looks like on the field. But we've we've been citing you know the 2023 Zips projection, and for this team, they said quote wild card contenders, but until they patch up their last few holes they're going they're going to worry the mariners more than they worry the astros hmm. so in the in their opinion obviously not a threat to the astros who don't seem to have a a real close threat at this particular moment but could be problematic for the seattle mariners how about that we're so used to the texas rangers just being at the bottom just you know just floundering there they can't pitch they've got they've got guys who can hit certainly but the pitching lets them down but maybe they've done enough to become problematic for seattle
2: is there somebody uh, on this team that you would love to poach?
0: For well, yeah, I'd love Corey Seager. I I like Adolis Garcia. Yeah, he's just a giant muscle. He is. Oh, yeah, I love that guy. I feel like
2: he he is so much fun to watch. But yeah, this is uh, it's kind of a kind of a sneaky good team that hasn't hasn't produced.
0: Yeah, and it's, and it's I think I think they're right. I don't know how close these teams will be. You know, we'll see how it plays out on the field, but. I don't expect them to be what they were last year, which was really bad. I mean, there are almost 30 games under five hundred last year. I, I expect them to be decidedly better than that. And, and like every other team, health is the caveat. If they can stay healthy, that's true for the Mariners. If the Mariners, you, you suffer a couple of big injuries to, or key guys are out for any extended period of time, it, it derails your season. So that's true for any any team. But if we're just looking at everybody being equal and healthy, this is a better team. Yeah, I agree.
2: Uh you know, it's funny a couple of uh, Cole Calhoun uh departing, right? And he was kind of the guy's the oh, one of he's the guys that drives nuts. Well, especially when he was with the uh the Angels. Oh, you know, it just seemed like he always <laughs> kind of couldn't like, take it. I remember Coco Crisp. Now, who's the guy on the Angels green? Is that the the kind of a shorter guy that no, nah, not green. Not I'm trying green. to think of uh anyway, the guy that just seems to always sort of haunt the uh, the Mariners that used to be Cole Calhoun especially yeah. when he's playing with the Angels David Fletcher David Fletcher
0: yeah oh yeah, yeah, little guy yeah it, it's with Cole Calhoun what made it so maddening is that he would do it when he wasn't good like he'd be right he'd be in the midst you look at his numbers when he'd step up at the plate he's batting one ninety eight and he's you know is on bases two seventy three and he just he can't hit a lick he might go 0 for his first two at bats but when they needed it when they had a runner on mm-hmm. second or third it, 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 It involved the Mariners. He just had a knack for coming up with that that painful moment that would, he'd come through for his team and it would crush the Mariners. And then he would just go on the rest of the year and continue to stink. But against the Mariners, it just seemed like every time he needed to come up with something big, he did.
2: Yeah, well, and that's the cool thing about pro football, uh, I'm sorry, uh, pro baseball reference. You can go and do the splits and yeah. you can go versus team and I just remember looking at his splits against the Mariners, Fletcher the same way, just always good. But got another guy on their team, Brad Miller, and every time I see him yeah. I I forget. Crazy that, Legs Miller. Yeah, that he was in the, no batting gloves. He's got the the bare hands, but yeah, I I do kind of fear a little bit the Rangers. Don't the A's, we already did the Angels. Don't really don't seem like a threat, even though they have a ridiculous couple of players and Otani and arguably and the two best. Yeah. But I mean, you, you look at uh, what the Rangers have going. It's kind of scary.
0: Yeah, it, it's I, I look forward to the day we're having the conversation where it's not. All right. Well, who's battling for second? Because that's kind of what this has been. And and that that pro, that Zips projection kind of says it right there with the way they say, you know, hey, you uh, wild card contenders but until they patch up their last few holes they're not they're not going to worry the astros but they are a worry to the mariners right like so the astros are just so far ahead that we're all just kind of giving in like all right they're going to win the division you know barring big injuries they're going to they're going to win the division it's about who's going to be a wild card team i want to get to that point and i was hoping it'd be much closer this year maybe it will be when they play it out on the field but where we go into the season going it's going to be a nip and tuck battle with the astros this is, there is no gap. This, these teams are pretty darn even, and it's going to be a lot of fun to see how this shakes out. Right now, not quite there.
2: Yeah. Shannon, you know, what, uh, the things she wrote about talking to the, those Rangers broadcasters, uh, and just, you know, asking them what's, what's the plan for, for the organization. And, you know, a lot of times there's big spending and, you know, their, their farm systems not, they've not been ranked better than 20th in the past five years. So, um, but, the way Shannon put it is, it's a little bit
0: more clear now yeah. what they're the direction that the Rangers are going, which worries me a little bit. Yeah, yeah, definitely not a team you can overlook by any stretch. So, all right, coming up, there's some frustration on the 49ers, and it could lead to an interesting offseason. We'll get into what that means for the Seahawks. Coming up with Wyman and Bob, this is Seattle Sports Station on 710. Wyman and Bob, powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio on Seattle Sports Station. We got our buddy John Morosi joining us today, five o'clock. What are you pointing at? That building in Arizona. I hate that building. I mean, bad things happen in that building. <laughs> it's cursed. I want everybody to get out first, but I'd like to see it imploded.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's nice of you though to clear the building first. I just want to make sure that everybody knows. I'm not I'm not <laughs> suggesting that somebody just just do it arbitrarily. Because, yeah, they're in Old Town Scottsdale there. And, uh, you know, the, one of the things I love, Bob, is the wackiness of the five- or six-man desk where everybody's eating and talking over each yeah. other and laughing. Save it for tomorrow. Then they'll stand <laughs> up and throw the football around maybe a little bit.
0: Love it. On, love a, on a little mini field?
2: There's nothing better than watching somebody eat on TV.
0: Uh, that is fantastic. I would say watching Nina Kimes play blocker on Marcus Spears is wildly entertaining. That was great. I, we could just rewind that all day I got plenty
2: for today and tomorrow Mike <laughs> <laughs>
0: what's Fantastic. bugging Dave a little preview of what's bugging Dave all right coming up uh we will talk to uh John Morosi we'll talk some baseball later on in the show so stay tuned for that conversation but we talked about some frustration with the uh with the forty nineers and there was there was an article that I sent a couple nights ago uh that sort of implied that that there's a a the relationship has soured between Jimmy Garoppolo and Kyle Shanahan. Apparently, late in the season, now they don't. They didn't really say what it was that happened, uh, and and Shanahan made it pretty clear. Or, you know, he along with uh, John Lynch made it pretty clear that Jimmy Garoppolo is is done. Which I think we all assumed anyway. We thought that last year, but this just seemed more more of a. You know, he was he was asked directly. Shanahan was, "Do you see any any?" Scenario where Jimmy G comes back. He just said, no, I don't see any scenario of that. Um, and people were looking into it, and apparently Tim Kawakami uh, wrote that the Garoppolo, Garoppolo's relationship with both Shanahan and Lynch soured leading up to the 49ers' loss to the Eagles. Um and saying, well, I checked around the team and discovered, yes, the relationship between Jimmy G and those two seems to have gone a bit south in the days and weeks leading up to the NFC Championship loss to Philadelphia. I don't know if there was a specific blow-up or conversation that led to this or what the main issue is, but there was an issue of some sort, which is kind of odd. Jimmy G seems like a pretty passive guy and pretty pliable
2: yeah, I thought we've always been very. I mean, I think the the news that we've gotten anyway, and from from what we've understood is that yeah, he's a very likable guy. I mean, he was he was good to the uh, good good to the media. It seemed like his
0: teammates liked him. He took him to a Super Bowl. Um, he he bailed him, him. him out this year. Yeah, I mean, Trey Lance gets hurt against the Seahawks in Week One and. Yeah. There's Jimmy G, who didn't even have a playbook to start the season, was on a side field just throwing the ball around, thinking he was going to be traded or cut or whatever, and then all of a sudden he's, he's your guy. What, what was his injury this year? I'm trying to remember, was it his ankle what, the or, or, his, or
2: ankle? I, yeah, something ankle. like that. so and it makes me wonder, like so he wasn't available at the end there, right? so did how did how did the, how did the relationship sour? you know uh, when he's not really out on the field or anything yeah, like that's that that's a good question cuz I, I just remember seeing you know the the point when the rams after the 2020 season lost in green bay and seeing Sean McVay look at Jared Goff with disdain. It was like, I'm done with you. And you know, I remember Goff going over and trying to talk to him and him just kind of brushing him away, like, get out of here. Not in a, you know, that way, I guess. He wouldn't, wouldn't do that, but like, the, he was just done with him. And I, I, I can't help but think the same thing about Garoppolo and with Kyle Shanahan for him to see. To say it that you know definitively, yeah. it's like nope, we're done. That's it. Like he must have crossed the line or something, but it's just something I can't really, uh, I can't even picture with Jimmy G. Just everything we've heard about him.
0: Yeah, it, it doesn't line up because we would never again. We hear things behind the scenes often about different players in the league. I've never heard a negative thing about the guy. Yeah, so, so. It, it's good.
2: You know, good news for for the Seahawks. I mean, I think you know if the Rams get all of their players back, you know, it's that they're going to probably be back pretty close to where they were when they were good. I mean, if you get Aaron Donald, Cooper Cup, and, and Matthew Stafford back. But, you know, so they're always a threat. The Niners, obviously, with their roster. I mean, the quarterback situation, we'll see if Trey Lance becomes the guy they thought he would be or if they go with Brock Purdy. And then down in down in Arizona, it just seems like kind of a mess with Kyler Murray. So I feel like it's not like, you you know, you just everybody's, there's two teams, you know, that are totally dominant. It's not that difficult of a division, you know. You look at um, you look at like the NFC East, you know, mm-hmm. with the Cowboys and Philly and the Giants and Washington, kind of on the come. I mean, that's that's one of those uh, that's one of those divisions where it's it's highly competitive. This one, not so much.
0: I'm just going to be very interested to see if if Trey Lance is healthy in time, and I, I guess by all accounts he should be. Brock Purdy's six months out. He's going to have his surgery, I think they said, what, the 22nd of this month, oh. uh, February, I think, is when he's scheduled to have the surgery. So, you know, we'll see how quickly he can recover. But, you know, we it feels like the linebacker position for the Seahawks. We've got a guy in Jordan Brooks who you like, but you don't know, all right, is he going to be hitting the ground running, ready to go when training camp starts? Is he oh, who would you compare Brooks to? To, I guess, probably Purdy because he's just more accomplished. I mean, Trey Purdy's done more than Trey Lance has, so yeah. Well, that's a, that's kind of why I asked the question because I'm like, <laughs> yeah, because you know Brooks has
2: pretty much established himself as, yeah. as a good starter, and neither of those guys have. But you know, we'll we'll see what happens with their injuries, and then what happens when. I mean, I feel like he could play quarterback. I don't know that Brock Purdy could just walk into any you know any team in the NFL and contend to be a starter. Right. I think there has to be something in place but I think his career will be interesting to see if if he does develop and become you know the guy that he's sort of on a path for
0: yeah and and what that means for Trey it feels like you've got two possibilities but maybe you don't have either because of injuries and maybe one's not going to be very good or they both aren't good or maybe who knows I mean it's just it's a very uncertain spot at the most important spot for a team Now, we've talked about the 49ers being, well, they seem just plug and play. You just throw in Mr. Irrelevant and look at him. He looks like a pro bowler, and he's up for a rookie of the year, and that's all because of the team they have. Well, I think that's taking a little credit away from him because, again, we saw a 13-year veteran in Josh Johnson get thrown out there, and he did not look good at all. And that's a guy with a long, long track record under his belt of playing at that level. Did, can we evaluate
2: him? Well, I mean,
0: I, mean I, I guess it's just not as simple as we were making it. Like, just plug in whoever you want, and they're going to succeed because the 49ers are that good everywhere else. Yeah.
2: Well, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I think their defense was really dominant and everything, and after a while you just kind of, you know, I, I thought, they were going to get whooped by uh, by the Eagles, so yeah. So I'm not so sure about him, but um, it's going to be an interesting quarterback situation for them down there. Because yeah, I don't. I'm I'm kind of somewhere in between on Brock Purdy. I, I think it's an awesome story, love it all that stuff. I'm not sure that he can just be as good as he is in every offense. I mean, maybe less than half of yeah. of them. We'll see, but. Um, yeah, that that's it's such a weird thing for them and I guess we were talking about this kind of going okay, well maybe the quarterback's not such a huge deal that you have to have that cuz you can win with Brock Purdy, but then all of a sudden when you had this unbelievable team that a lot of people think should have gone further and the quarterback situation is kind of what screwed it up that kind of brings quarterbacks back into into focus.
0: Yeah, and people are texting in that he was smiling on the sidelines when they lost. I mean, you're literally talking about a a moment who knows what's being said on the sidelines is he is I'm guessing he's not the only one that cracked a smile here or there, even though the team lost, you know, the conversation, it's a, it's a moment of humanity that was caught and we're supposed to take that to mean well. He didn't get. He was out there laughing when they're getting their tails kicked. And
2: reminds me of when people get on coaches. Why wasn't he mad? Yeah. Why wasn't he more upset? And like, what are you supposed to do? Throw a temper tantrum so your players all see you? You know. I mean. Yeah. I mean, yeah it's, it's, let's it's, let's not judge based on that.
0: You're sitting out there on that bench for hours, interacting with other guys on the bench, and maybe somebody cracked a joke at some point or said something that was like, ah, could you believe that? I mean,
2: I guarantee yeah. you, it's nothing like that. But, which is what makes me. It's so interesting, right? That. That that Kyle Shanahan somehow got so sideways on him when he's not even playing.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure what. It'll be interesting to see if that comes out. Quite the drama. What what happened out there? What we never know what's happening. All right, coming up, we'll continue our picks for the NFL and Seahawks season awards, plus our big show announcement coming your way next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports Station on 710.